Welcome back to the two-man wall podcast. This is match week number 12. Some extremely dramatic and exciting games to cover this weekend. But today is indeed Halloween. So get some Halloween banter going, Ethan. What were you for Halloween? Well, for Halloween, me and three of my friends were the robbers from the Netflix show Money Heist. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I have not indulged in such shows. I'm not much of a show guy, but but it's a very popular show. I think Neymar may have done. Actually, Neymar's in the show. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, he makes like a guest appearance. It's a it's a big thing internationally because it's like a Spanish show. But yeah. uh, but yeah, he does make an appearance in there. But anyway, so it was a solid it was a solid costume. Uh, it was. I'm a senior, and at my school, only seniors are allowed to dress up for Halloween. So this is the first year we're actually allowed to go in and you know wear costumes for Halloween. So that was pretty fun. There was a costume contest, and the winner of the costume contest for the individual competition was somebody who literally taped a chair to their chest. What? <laughs> like, he was literally just a chair. <laughs> for for Halloween, and that, like that, regular str- like regular street yeah, clothes. like literally like a full like regular street clothes, and it's just like a folding chair. Okay, and he, and he just used duct tape and strapped it to himself, and he he won best individual. He costume. just w- went about his school day as a chair. I asked him. I asked him about it. He said that for first period he did it, and then he took it off. I don't know how he was able to sit down. Like he had the full like chair in front. I don't know. How he sat down at a desk. <laughs> there, I. There's a lot more questions to be asked. There. <laughs> <laughs> I. I've already thought of twelve, honestly. <laughs> and another fun thing I had to do for Halloween was that one of my teachers uh, allows us to that if we go to his house in costume he allows us to get a free pass or be excused from doing one of his uh like one page essays it's jasper oh, like you, you, go. you got him. i don't know if he did that for yeah, yeah i jasper. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so so That's pretty cool. jasper i did in <laughs> fact go to his house and redeem my uh my excuse yeah why would essay. you yeah the line was really did- long though i had to cut and it was still yeah. like 20 minutes <laughs> Did anyone write the essay? Just couldn't be bothered to show up. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was uh, I was Ace Ventura for Halloween. Relatively simple costume. I feel like you've pulled that uh, one out before. <laughs> I have. It's very simple. I have the ingredients already. I don't feel like going out and uh, and concocting my own costume. It it hits the spot. I mean, at least for me, there's usually one person that like comes up to me and is like Ace Ventura, and I'm like, yeah. Most people are just like, are you a Hawaiian, like, tourist? And I'm like, I'm not, actually. I'm a person from a movie, but whatever. Yeah, the confusion with my Halloween costume is that a lot of people thought we were from Squid Games. Squid Games, like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that so, kind of makes sense. We got that a lot. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, Ethan, you have a worst team wins update for us. Yes, I do. Uh, Two... Pretty solid weeks from the both of us here. Uh, my team, Garnacho Cheese, had 27 points this week, while your team, Jesus, died for a top bins had 30 points. So a pretty close contest, but two pretty low scores. 
uh, McGuire actually contributed uh, towards my team. Usually he was a pretty solid, you know, bench player, zeros yeah. all across the board every week. But unfortunately, due to Rafael Varane's injury, McGuire had to come in and he actually played kind of well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he got a clean sheet, six points for him. And Brain's team, if not for Ericsson, who is his captain, yeah. he got an assist and a couple bonus points, I think. Because uh, Ericsson had 16 points, contributing huh. to your total of 30. So that's over half. If not for Ericsson, wow. this would have been a masterclass in worst team wins. Seriously. Because wow. Holland what didn't a... play. So Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. I mean, for a team like mine, that's, you know. I also got a... Uh, I believe I got a Shalaba own goal this week. Yeah, Shalaba own goal. He he was doing actually pretty well these past couple of weeks, but he finally, you know, delivered. Own goals count as negatives, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, he finished the he finished the week with negative one because he also conceded oh four. And every two wow. goals you can see this minus one. So sweet. Wow, what a performance from Shalaba. Yeah. I always knew he had it in him. Yeah. Anyways, let's roll right into the content, starting off with Brighton 4, Chelsea 1. Very topical. Uh, you know, the classic stat, I'm sure, that's been reiterated across your Twitter feeds, you know, throughout the week, is that a manager has never changed clubs inside the Premier League, played his own team, and won. Um, and certainly that was looming Within over, the same season. <laughs> within the same season, yes, within the same season. Um, and certainly that was looming over Graham Potter's head as he went to this one, and he simply could not beat it. Trossard in the fifth, and then a Ruben Loftus-Cheek own goal, a Trevor Chalaba own goal, Kai Havertz snatching one back before Gross makes it four in the 90th plus two. Uh, surely this is just a curse, right? This, this like, Brighton's not great, and Graham Potter's Chelsea team has, have been very good recently. I mean, they haven't been scoring a ton of goals, but they've been pretty solid. I like this is just like I feel like there's some serious like not voodoo but like definitely intangibles involved in this game that like Brighton kind of knew how to line up. What do you think? Well, I don't think it's any surprise that, you know, this stat rings true. I mean, it's hard to go to a team that you've built and that knows yeah. your play style so well and go and, you know, beat them. I mean, I have it, you know, right up behind me. When they already know all of your uh, spells, it's grandfather, and they they knew his spells. And honestly, I think this is a result that I don't think I was expecting a you know four one scoreline, but I think it's a result that was kind of on the horizon. Brighton were in their classic, you know, we're just gonna win every game on XG, but yeah. not the actual <laughs> game phase. And Chelsea were winless in two. They had draws against uh, Brentford and United. So that hadn't been great. They were kind of slowing the roll a bit, and Brighton had kind of been building up to actually getting a decent result. And they finally, you know, put the ball in the back of the net, not just, you know, on, you know, Statman Dave's Twitter account. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I think this is the kind of result that I didn't necessarily see coming, but, you know, with hindsight, I could see this result happening. Yeah. Well, uh, it's easy I to predicted say that. A, I predicted a two nothing Brighton win. Um, I, I, I guess I thought it was gonna be. I wouldn't say dominant. I thought it was just gonna be like Chelsea would have the majority of the possession, like 
not really look too threatening, and then Brighton would just score two goals on the counterattack because, you know, Trossard's on form or whatever. Um, which, I guess that's kind of what happened, but Brighton definitely showed more than I thought they were going to. You know, I, no. I got the result right, but I, they showed, like, more, you know, quality than I thought they were going to. I thought they were going to win on, like, Chelsea's lack of finishing quality, and I guess they did, but they kind of proved their own in this game, too. Yeah, Brighton were definitely deserved winners by a three-goal margin. They could have had a couple more than four. I mean, obviously, Chelsea could have scored a couple more themselves, but, I mean, it's the same old story for them. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, after the first, it's rare that you say that a goal's been coming when the first goal of the game is five minutes in, but it had been coming. They had really been pressuring. There were, like, two goal-line clearances from... Tiago Silva in like the first like three minutes of the game um and Brighton you know put on the pressure right from the off and they took it to them and Chelsea were always on the back foot in this game the game was pretty much over before Chelsea could get back into it it was three nothing before Kai Havertz pulled one back uh so yeah Brighton thoroughly handled uh Potter's side and it deserved three points I wouldn't even think that this is like the start of like a downswing in form for Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea haven't been playing like fantastic, but they've been getting results. I really think this is kind of just an outlier game that they just like, it's all in their head. Maybe during the week, Potter was trying to like overanalyze how they would line up, overanalyze play styles of his old players. He thought he could like outsmart them and he kind of just outsmarted himself type deal. I, I, I don't think that this is going to be the start of like a bad form for Chelsea necessarily. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I think they're kind of already in the midst of not necessarily bad form, but uh, slow of momentum. I mean, now they're yeah. winless in three, and this was definitely a performance where they were the thoroughly the inferior side. I don't think anybody can say otherwise. And you know, now you know they've kind of you know slipped outside the top four. They're in six now. So, I mean, what are your expectations, you know, for this team like going forward? Do you think? Obviously, they're going to want top four, but do you think that's something yeah. that they're going to expect from Potter? I think they should, not only because um, they're a quality side and probably deserve top four, but because the teams that they're competing with for top four right now are Man United and Newcastle. Liverpool, I mean, we'll get to Liverpool in a bit, but they don't look anything like a team that deserves top four in the Premier League right now um Manchester United I don't think are ready just yet I think they're just a little too volatile in form although they're playing very good football right now um I think they're just a little too volatile and the Newcastle is you know very very hot right now very tough to you know gauge if Newcastle's legit or not right now because you know they don't have exactly the talent of a top four team but they're red hot so it's tough to tell so I think Chelsea realistically looking at Newcastle United Chelsea on 24 23 and 21 points respectively Newcastle are Man United and Chelsea both having a game at hand on Newcastle uh, I think Chelsea should be really really considering top four because I don't think Man United you're going to get it and Newcastle I don't think have the talent to be as consistent as they need to be to get top four also Tottenham don't look great I mean we'll get to Tottenham in a second but like, Tottenham don't look fantastic. They're getting results, obviously, but they don't look fantastic. They could easily drop out of the top four. So I don't think top four is necessarily locked like it has been in years past. 
I, I think the door is definitely open for Chelsea. The problem with Chelsea, I said it before the season. I said it during the season. I'll say it again. They don't have a number nine. Also, they're, you know, Conte's injured. Like, they've, they're, they have some injuries, but um, they just don't have a number nine. And Aubameyang's not the answer. Kai Havert certainly is not the answer, even though he scored this week. Um, they need a number nine. They didn't get a number nine, and they're going to suffer for that. So, I think top four is definitely there for them, but more so because of their competition than their personnel, I would say. Yeah, I have to agree to a certain extent. But yeah. honestly, I know, I know we have to be, you know, careful with Newcastle because, again, they just don't have the quality of these other big yeah. six sides. But they look as, you know, assured yeah. in that fourth place position as anyone else. Yeah, I, I mean, you cannot argue with some of the form that their players are on, especially without their best player, Alan T. Maximon. Like, it's very tough to argue with the results they're getting against the opponents they're playing against. Bournemouth 2, Spurs 3, a very dramatic game at Bournemouth. Bournemouth go up by two goals. Spurs get all three points by coming back. Bentoncourt scoring in the dying embers. A seemingly lucky three points for Tottenham against a, you know, poor opponent that they should, A, not be giving up two goals against, and B, not be leaving it to 90 plus two to really get three points. But, you know, 23 shots, 70% possession. Like, clearly they had the better of play in this game. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, go ahead. From a rival fan's perspective, I really want to say that they got lucky. And, you know, obviously to a certain extent they did. But a comeback was always on the cards. I mean, they pretty much got one back right after Kiefer Moore scored the second for Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't too long where it was really like a two-goal gap. And once, you know, Tottenham were only a goal down and already shifted the momentum their way, it was all Tottenham pretty much from then on in the second half. They deserve their equalizer and the winner was coming not in the way i'd expect because this is a very un tottenham like performance and i was just gonna say and defended they bournemouth if i was a, a manager in the premier league i would have managed bournemouth exactly how bournemouth were managed on saturday this was like exactly the way you want to play tottenham because tottenham want to play exactly the way bournemouth played <laughs> what Tottenham having 70% possession is like so ridiculous considering some of the stats we've seen coming out of their games in the past even against much 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 poorer opponents um they don't like playing with possession they don't like breaking teams down they don't like playing like high lines they like playing deep low blocks counterattacking even against the teams that you know they should be controlling possession against given their quality like this is so unspurs like and it almost cost them points against a poor team um i think this was you know really well managed from bournemouth like two goals from Kiefer Moore, two pretty good goals from Kiefer Moore. Mm-hmm. um like sit back make tottenham play through you which you know is not their strength and then score on some set pieces or something or some counterattacks. like bournemouth did everything right and Tottenham, you know, scored on some set pieces. There's an element of luck to that. But, you know, there's talent in this t- Tottenham team. You know, 
they're scrappy in the box. There's something to be said for that. I'm not going to take that that away from it. But again, before I let you finish it off, like I can't imagine other than the grit and determination it took to come back from two goals down. This is not exactly the way they wanted to get three points. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly that this is just absolutely not the way Tottenham want to play. This is as open as I've seen their defense at any point throughout this entire season. I mean, they got exposed on the counterattack by Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, they, like you said, you know, they love to sit back and, you know, absorb the pressure and be structured and make teams break them down. And they were very easy to cut apart by Bournemouth on Saturday. And attacking-wise, you know, they want to play on the counterattack, and Bournemouth were just sitting back and sitting back. They had to, you know, they didn't really break Bournemouth down for their goals. They On on the one where they pulled one back with Sessegnon, that was a pretty nice through ball in behind. That was a decent play. But the other two were pretty scrappy goals off of corners. So it wasn't like they were really yeah. breaking them down. And look at the goal scorers. Ryan Sessegnon, Ben Davies, Rodrigo Bentancourt. Like, these are yeah. not their go-to guys. Yeah. And this was certainly, you know... Like you said, this is not the way Tottenham and Conte were planning on winning this game. But from a Tottenham fan's perspective, three points is three points, and they can you know go back to square one and you know regroup and take all three points away from Vitality Stadium, which yeah. is frankly all they'll really care about. Yeah. If you're a Spurs fan, and I know it's tough to put your put yourself in the mind of a Spurs fan. Are you Ugh. satisfied with the way this team is performing right now? Given the results and the way they're winning, I'd I'd be hard pressed to say satisfied, but I wouldn't be dissatisfied. But I'd definitely be a bit concerned because I feel like at the beginning of the season, Spurs fans were like so confident in the way that they were playing, like okay, like we're gonna sit back, be really solid defensively, and we're just gonna break on the counter with Kane, Son, and Kulisevsky, and we're just gonna have a ball. And that's how it was, you know, first, you know, five, six, seven weeks of the season. But now we're getting into these games, and it's either, well, they're using that, you know, style of play, and it's just not working, or they're abandoning it, and they kind of, like, aren't that great at not playing that way. Yeah. And you know, this 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 was a scrappy win. They didn't play the way that they wanted to play and they barely got by a team that they should be beating yeah. fairly comfortably. So I feel like they're either kind of losing their identity a bit or having sh- or struggling. Maybe teams are just finding them out. Maybe teams are yeah. just becoming better at breaking down, you know, Tottenham's, you know, low block defensive structure or you know, being able to absorb that counterattack. But either way, I feel like Tottenham fans just aren't quite as assured in their style of play. Yeah, I I would say that. I think it's tough to argue with third place in the league at any point. Mm-hmm. Like with any, you could you know concede only own goals, and if you're third place in the league, like it's tough to complain. But. I just don't think this is sustainable. You know, I think there might be a patch during the season where Tottenham drop like, you know, 12 points from 18 in six games. Like they could go through a very rough patch because teams might say like, 
we're not like they want us to attack them. We're gonna sit back too. Let's see what they do. Let's make them break us down. Like like Bournemouth did. This is a Bournemouth masterclass that is masked by a few scrappy goals, in my opinion. Like you know, rigid and like very prosperous and you know perseverance from Tottenham to get it. I'll give them credit, but. This is a masterclass in Bournemouth, and I think that teams in the bottom half of the table are going to host Tottenham and play a lot like this, and Tottenham are going to struggle. First voice crack, by the way. 20 yeah. minutes in. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. This is the longest time it took yet. <laughs> um, But the teams are just going to host Tottenham like Bournemouth, and Tottenham are going to struggle, and it's not too often that you get these uh, amazing you know comeback wins so i think that this is a this is a great win for tottenham uh and tottenham fans and i don't know i I just i just don't think it's sustainable that's all liverpool one leads united two who would have thought that it was going to be Leeds that breaks the Van Dyke Anfield record? Get soccered. Uh, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Uh, I mean, this was this is a great uh, smash and grab victory for Leeds, and <laughs> yeah. there's no other way to put it because it was absolutely smash and grab. How on earth Liverpool only put one in is is an anomaly. It's it's a miracle. I have no idea how to describe how. Liverpool only scored one goal in this game. They were completely and utterly dominant over Leeds, who were hanging on for dear life. But to be fair to them, they, you know, they defended well. They, listen, they conceded a lot of chances, but they didn't concede too many absolutely clear-cut chances. They conceded, like, you know, somewhat low XG chances that, yes, when given enough of them, Liverpool should be scoring two or three, but not where it's so high quality that they should be put away every single time. And Melier, don't love him as a keeper, but he was absolutely oh on God, his game. Fantastic. Yeah, I feel like so many out. keep. I feel like Go so ahead. many keepers this weekend were just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, David yeah. De Gea against West Ham. I thought uh, Roberto Sanchez against. Uh, yeah, Roberto Sanchez is really good. Against Chelsea is really good, but again, yeah, I'm uh I'm on a tangent here. Yeah. Uh, but no, this this Leeds victory was so undeserved, but yet very deserved, and I think it was deserved just based on their form, not in terms of results, but how they've been playing. Because Leeds have been just so close to getting over the edge in yeah. these recent games, and have just been narrowly losing these games. They haven't been, you know humbled or humiliated by any team but they're losing in these just close you know tight matchups they probably should have beaten arsenal two weeks back yeah i think they lost to fulham 3-2 um either in between then or the week before so the performances have been good they just haven't had the results to go with it and this is certainly you know the results of the season no matter what happens you know going forward beating liverpool at anfield that's gonna be the highlight before we get into liverpool um let's you know fully cover leads real quick jesse marsh was you know 
his seat was pretty hot going into this game. Bad run of form. Uh, although not necessarily bad performances. You know, results are all that matter in the Premier League. We know that. And that's all that matters to the board when they're deciding when to fire a manager. So <clears throat> this ma- this game was so, so important to Jesse Marsh. It, just the point even would have been enough to, like, you know, convince the world that Jesse Marsh still had control over his team and was still a convincing manager. But to get three points is just truly a miracle, like a gift from heaven for, for Jesse Marsh. And hopefully he can take this and run with it a little bit, you know, build off the form that was coming from the games before Liverpool, through Liverpool. Not sure they have next week, but, you know, all the best for Jesse Marsh. Hopefully, you know, he rolls into the next games. But another American, Brandon Aronson, looked very, very good in this game. And especially as a U.S. men's national team fan rolling into a World Cup, it's very nice to see. Also, you know, Tyler Adams played well, but Brendan Aronson, he looks like a potential X factor for this U.S. men's, US men's national team. If he can step up, he looks so comfortable on the ball, so comfortable in, in the Premier League. He stepped in from Salzburg, right? He was signed yeah. from Salzburg. And he steps into the Premier League and he's like driving at, at defenders, driving at midfielders. Like, you usually don't see that from, you know, young players, young Americans in the Premier League. Oh my God. These voice cracks are <laughs> killing me. I, this is like our 15th podcast. I can't remember that many voice cracks in the first 12. Now I'm just, it's all over the place. I'm like freaking puberty backwards. <laughs> anyway. Brendan Aronson, as you as men's national team fan rolling into the World Cup in three weeks, you got to be excited about this, no? No, I mean, I've been excited about Brendan Aronson since the very start of the season. His first game against Wolves, I was just so, you know, happily surprised about how he matched the intensity of the Premier League with just his energy and his confidence and his directness, his work rate. I mean... It's an absolute dream for Jesse Marsh and Leeds. And I think he embodies, you know, what Jesse Marsh's Leeds is about, which is just hard work and grittiness. And honestly, he has the the uh, technical ability to go with it, too. I mean, he's a great option going forward for them. I mean, you know, his goals and assists output hasn't necessarily reflected that, but it's not really about that for him. It's about what he brings overall to the team, you know, both on and off the ball. And... Again, like you said, as a U.S. men's national team fan, I can't wait to see how this translates, you know, for our team in the World Cup. Hopefully he stays healthy because yeah. you know, McKinney went down, and I said it before, you know, I didn't think one of Reyna McKinney or Pulisic was at least one, maybe two of them were not going to be healthy for the World Cup just yeah. based on their injury histories. So, <clears throat> I don't know. We Let's hope. But Liverpool... Now sitting comfortably in ninth place in the Premier League. Same amount of games as Brighton, sitting two points behind them. Three losses in their last five. The last two losses were both to teams in the relegation zone. Now this one was a bit of an unfortunate loss. Maybe they didn't deserve it. But in years past, we've seen this Liverpool team not deserve three points, but just wrap it out of thin air and you kind of never thought 
that three points was in doubt for them. Now it almost seems the other way around, where they roll into games against teams they should beat, Nottingham Forest away, Leeds United at home, and it just feels like it's never you you can never expect a quality performance from this team anymore. And it's so sad because just last year they were, you know, fantastic. And now they're just they it just looks like they've lost their cutting edge. Yeah, they've absolutely lost their cutting edge, and that's what it is because the big issue, the real issue in these last two games is just finishing their chances. I mean, I can think of just dozens and dozens of opportunities in this Leeds game and the Nottingham Forest game combined where chances just absolutely have to be put away. And if you don't score in the Premier League, you don't win games. It's not a complicated formula to figure out. And that's why Liverpool's sitting in ninth place right now. And it doesn't get much easier. Now they have to go, you know, into North London to face, you know, a Spurs team that, I mean, we'll get into the prediction for that game. But, yeah, you know, Spurs are in third right now and Liverpool can't beat relegation father. So I don't know how they're going to feel going into that game. They're tied on points at Crystal Palace right now. Yeah. Crystal Palace, we're a third of the way into the season and you're, Competing with Crystal Palace in the table. Yeah. I mean, I don't know I don't know what Klopp has to do or can do right now to mm-hmm. turn this ship around. That hasn't already been said. Yeah. And if it hasn't already been said, then there's, you know, big issues in the dressing room. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it feels like every week we're kind of saying is this the week that we can rule out Liverpool as as a top team? And, you know, I think last week I said, two weeks ago I said we should rule them out. Last week I said, certainly after Nottingham Forest, it it looks like they're done for. And if there's not a some serious January business, I'm talking like, I don't know, like big names, serious like Bruno Fernandes, you know, inspirational signings they will not be even considering top four in my opinion Uh, i mean it's really tough to argue that this team can contest for top four after the last two results but we move on to some out of town scores starting off with saturday leicester city nil manchester city won a absolutely inch perfect Kevin De Bruyne free kick. This was one of the greatest free kicks I've ever seen, and I think I can say that confidently. This ball hits, like, honestly, I don't think you could put this more top corner. This was just a remarkable piece of football, and if you had any doubts about Kevin De Bruyne being one of the best players in the world, you certainly don't anymore. Newcastle for Aston Villa nil. I mean, what more can you say about this Newcastle team? I Picked Miguel Almiron as one of my goal picks as more of a, you know, <laughs> courtesy to Miguel Almiron for his form. And he actually pulled another one out of his ass. Callum Wilson, of course, got two for you. But <laughs> Wilson with two, Jalinton in the 59th, and then Miguel Almiron with a really nice goal in the 67th. Like, this team is absolutely flying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thank God we, we don't even have to play him until after the World Cup because... I don't think I'd want to play any team less right now. Even Man City. 
Yeah, but they only seem to be getting better. So I I don't want to face them when they're, you know, title challengers with us. (laughs) Also, they whooped our fucking ass last year at the end of the season and crushed our dreams. So, like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Bad history. Crystal Palace won Southampton nil. Very snoozy game uh, in London. But Crystal Palace, three points. Very nice three points for Crystal Palace. Seemingly few and far between nowadays. But, you know, a volatile Crystal Palace team. Always nice to pick up three points. Southampton. They're top half of the table now. They're in in 10th. I feel like this, if I had to predict this game, I think I would have said one nothing Crystal Palace. Just like a whatever game. Brentford won, Wolves won. Wolves picking up a red card. Um, a nice point for Wolves. Oh, Diego Costa, this is football <laughs> yeah. heritage moment. Football <laughs> heritage from Diego Costa in the 90, 90th plus seven. Just couldn't get off the field in the 97th <laughs> minute. Had to stake his claim. Um, ben Mee with a freaking overhead kick. How about that? And then Ruben <laughs> Neves where, scoring from where? That's right, outside the box. I don't think he's ever scored a goal from inside the box. And then Diego Costa in the 97th minute. Pretty typical. Other than the Ben Me, like, Golazo. Overhead. <laughs> yeah. Pretty pretty standard game here. Uh, Wolves picking up a point, which, you know, in a normal year would be like a whatever result. But this year, when they're battling relegation, this is not a bad point for Wolves. Yeah. Gotta yeah, stop clearly the. Ma- Clearly, the managers just said, all right, listen, guys, we just need to stick to our guns. Ruben, you hit the long shots. <laughs> Diego, just headbutt someone <laughs> and get sent off. Something's got to, we got to get back to our roots. <laughs> Everybody do what they're used to. Fulham nil, Everton nil. Snooze fest in London. Double yeah, snooze fest A rare fest snooze fest <laughs> from uh, Fulham. Usually, they're bagging in the goals left, right, and center. They yeah. kept Mitrovic out. Um, but nice point for Everton. Nice point for Fulham. I don't think either are too disappointed about the result there. Arsenal five, Nottingham Forest nil. Nice thumping from Arsenal after a couple of not so convincing results. Back to their convincing ways. Some nice goals in there. Uh, Erdegaard party with his North London derby replica. Um, Reese Nelson trademark goal. Reese Nelson, a uh, little bit of banter equaling Jaden Sancho's goals and assist tally for the season in yeah. 60 minutes after replacing Bukayo Saka. Way. Uh, Man- <laughs> Manchester United won West Ham nil. Uh, Marcus Rashford with the header to take all three points in Manchester. Uh, Harry Maguire stepping in for Rafael Varane after the injury last week and doing so surprisingly well. Nothing bad to say about Maguire this week, and I, that's not an easy phrase to say nowadays. <laughs> but Manchester United move up into fifth. Top six goes Arsenal on 31, Man City on 29, Tottenham on 26, already playing 13 games while Arsenal and City have only played 12, Newcastle playing 13 at 24, and then Man United and Chelsea both playing 12 on 23 and 21, respectively. And now we can get into some of our Match Week 13 content. I believe we have some match predictions. So, Arsenal versus Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. What do you got? So, Chelsea are winless in their last three and seem to have lost a bit of the new manager bounce, per se. 
But Arsenal in this past week have definitely bounced back in a big way. This was a much-needed thumping of Nottingham Forest, you know, to get their, you know, get a bit of their swagger back. It seemed like in that second half they were playing a bit more with their, you know, first, you know, seven, eight-game swagger. And it was definitely something that they needed. Uh, the fitness of uh, Grant Jaka and Bukayo Saka is going to be a bit of a concern going forward. Uh, just a bit of a concern because I don't think either injury is too serious. But obviously Saka uh, did go off early in that game, which you know he doesn't often you know go off in these games unless he absolutely has to. So. I mean, Arsenal have taken wins from Stamford Bridge in much less favorable circumstances. I mean, we, I mean, last year we went in there on like a three-game losing streak to like Southampton, Brighton, and some other like mid-table club, and then we pulled out a victory. So now Arsenal are top of the table, and Chelsea are on the slide a bit. I see no reason why Arsenal don't take three points here. I'm saying Chelsea nil, Arsenal two. I'm going to agree with you. Um, and, you know, how often I like to be pessimistic about Arsenal. But it, it just doesn't seem like Chelsea, you know, every, these are the games that, you know, kind of spark some form for, uh, for big six clubs, you know, slipping against the bad teams. And then we're like, all right, lads, you know, big 16 coming to town. Let's get up for it. And then they put together a good result. But honestly, they, I just don't think they have quality right now like going forward i arsenal's defense looked pretty solid um i i just don't think that chelsea's attack right now is in the form to break them down i also think it's gonna be a clean sheet i'm gonna go with one nothing arsenal okay spurs hosting liverpool what do you got this is a really tough game to predict because Spurs have really struggled against the better teams in the league, but that forces us to ask the question of whether or not Liverpool is one of the better teams in the league. So, <laughs> Liverpool have also struggled in the big games, but they've also struggled in the small games as well. And the Man City game looks increasingly more like it was just an outlier of a performance rather than, you know, the standard for Liverpool this season. So... Spurs really have not put in a good performance against uh top six team. I mean, they've lost to uh, Arsenal, United, uh, Newcastle, whatever other top six team they've played. They haven't gotten a result against Chelsea. Um, they were lucky to get any points out of that one. They needed a you know late Harry Kane header, and obviously that was very controversial. Mm-hmm. So I really can't make a case for either team winning this one. So I'm just gonna go for. A boring 1-1 draw because I wouldn't feel confident saying either team's going to win this. Yeah, I, honestly, I was going to go nil-nil. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I can't see Liverpool winning this game, honestly, because it, it, this plays into Spurs' hands. They're going to sit back. They're going to absorb. Liverpool don't look like they're in the mood right now to be breaking down any kind of low block, let alone pretty good one in uh Tottenham Hotspur. Um so I don't think Liverpool score more than one goal this game. So that I think they end up with zero or one. <sighs> it's just whether Spurs can finish their chances. You know? Spurs will get the chance. Spurs will get their chance their chances to score at least three goals in this game. Um 
if they score two of them, I think they'll win. If they score one of them, they'll draw. If they score none of them, they might lose. So I'm going to say 2-1 Tottenham Hotspur. I think they'll get it done. And now to the goal picks. All right, Ethan. You have your goal picks ready? I do, but I feel like we should give a quick goal pick update before we get into the uh, goal pick festivities. Very well. Continue. Well, to be fair, you actually gave a pretty good update because the only goals from either of us came from the Newcastle game. So I had two goals courtesy of Callum Wilson and none from the injured Holland and Anthony. What are the odds <laughs> that the one week I get to pick Holland without him getting blocked, he gets injured? Yeah, that was unfortunate. And the same thing with Anthony. Like, I'm pretty sure he didn't have an injury designation before, or at the very least, he wasn't expected to miss the game. But yeah. he did. He did not play at all. So I only had one player going, and luckily he scored a brace. So I'll take right. that any day of the week. And of course, you had your one goal courtesy of Miguel Almiron, current you know front runner for the 2023 Ballon d'Or. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And none from Tony or Skamaka. You can keep picking Skamaka if you want. I will tell you right now, I'm not blocking him. So, <laughs> feel free. Considered. Uh, the season goal tally uh, for me is now 12, and for Brayden is 6. Got some work Yikes. to do. We'll see. <laughs> Got some Long work season. to do. Long we'll season. see. We'll see if Skamaka scores 6 next week. <laughs> All right, so now we can get into the picks. You can go ahead and go first. All right. Um, I tried to change things up by not changing up much, actually. Two of my picks are the same as last week. Whoa. <laughs> um, so the first of those same picks is Antony. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be back. Uh, it wasn't supposed to be a long-term thing. Hopefully check the and injury designations this time. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> and he's going up against Villa, who attacking-wise have been much better, but defensively still very vulnerable. And Anthony has been in very good form, even when he's not scoring, but he has scored his fair share of goals since coming into the team. So I think he'll grab at least one away at Villa Park. And the second one is Callum Wilson. Um, Newcastle are on fantastic form. So is Callum Wilson, three goals in his last two. Uh, he's still going to be the man up front until Isak comes back. And even if Isak comes back, you know, the way Callum Wilson's playing, it may be hard to displace him unless, you know, they do a two-striker. But that's pretty far down the line because Isak had a re-injured whatever his injury was, I know, because I have him on fantasy. I'll have to wait a bit longer. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent again. Point is, Callum Wilson against Southampton away. I think he'll grab a goal or two. And my third pick, which I switched up because I'm scared you're going to pick Holland, uh, it's Harvey Barnes. Uh, Leicester <laughs> have been on better form recently. They have a pretty, pretty good matchup, Everton away. Everton have been a bit better this season, especially at Goodison. But nonetheless, Leicester looked to be a team a bit back on the up and up, at least offensively, even if not defensively. 
and Harvey Barnes is a key player for them. He gets in the goals. So, you know, hopefully he gets one. How many of them can I have? Two. Who are you taking? Can't have Wilson. I saw that brace last week. I was having none of that. You can have Kiefer Moore because he sure as hell is not scoring again this week. Yeah, you say that now. <laughs> no, what? No. You can have John Lucas Skamaka. If he fucking scores, <laughs> I'm going to be up in arms. You can oh have Skamaka. Take Skamaka. See if I give a shit. Who, I don't even know who's playing. I don't care. He's playing Crystal Palace. Don't care. You can have Skamaka. Have fun with him. If Skamaka scores this week, I will die <laughs> laughing. Yes, I would also die, but not laughing. <laughs> All right. You have your blocks ready. I have my blocks. First one is a man that's frequented my goal picks, Leandro Trossard. Certainly a man on form. Gotten me quite, he's gotten me like probably 33% of my goals so far. <laughs> um. And I only have six, so it's not that impressive. But um, I'm I'm gonna <laughs> ride that horse seven this year. So I'm gonna ride that horse again. See if he can get me another one. Second one's Ivan Tony. Um, didn't score last week. Nottingham Forest this week. Hopefully he can get one. Um, I'm just I'm praying for something because I'm 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 getting my ass whooped in this competition. And the third one, I'm praying you didn't pick him. Gabriel Jesus, pretty snake bit right now, but I feel like nice big six uh, London Derby next week might get him off the schneid. What do I got? Well, you don't got Trossard. Oh, man. You blocked you can Trossard. Have Jesus, and you can have uh, Tony. I was very close to picking Tony. Very close. Uh, I picked uh, my other two picks from Bamford and Erling Holland. Bamford. That was a stretch. He looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you didn't watch too much of Leeds and just figured that he was due for a goal, which yeah. he certainly is. He just I've, can't I, do I have Bamford on my, uh, <laughs> on my uh, draft fantasy team, and uh, he's not close to touching the field, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take right, Jesus well, and Tony. Yeah. Uh, you can have... Uh, Armstrong. There's two Armstrongs that play for Southampton. You can have whichever one starts, and if they both start, then bully for you. You can have both. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Stuart Armstrong. He bags Stu- the Stuart right Armstrong. Now, there. He's, he's Stuart Armstrong. I will, have Stuart I Armstrong. I forget what the first name of the other Armstrong is there, but Stuart Armstrong doesn't start and the other one does, and you can just sure. take the other one. Thank you. You get the drill. <laughs> And to move on to our closing segment. It's a new closing segment. The closing segment we call Speed Tears. Because we know how much you Gen Zs love tier lists. <laughs> We're doing something of our own spin on tier lists. And here's how this works. Um, I pick a topic. And I read off names to Ethan. And one by one, with no explanation, I have to give him a name. And he has to put it in a tier. And he goes through all of them. And then afterwards, I will pick out a couple that I think are very questionable. And I'll have him explain himself. For example, if it were a serial tier list, it would go something like, I would say, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Ethan would say, obviously, S. I would say, 
Reese's Puffs. Ethan would say something like D because he doesn't like peanut butter. No explanation. Rattling it off. It's very Gen Z oriented, you know? You know how we like to, to nurture the Gen Zs on this, on this podcast. Anyway, pretty straightforward. Speed tiers. You read off the names. I say what tier they should go in. Nothing more simple than that. You want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll read you mine first. Sure. And just a reminder, the tiers <laughs> go as follows. S being the highest, then A, B, C, D, and F being the lowest. Are you ready? I'm ready. I am so, also ready. for this tier list, you are going to be ranking player celebrations. And this Ooh. isn't just Premier League. This is, you know, all across. And, you know, some are recurring celebrations. Some are specific incidents. You just gotta, you just gotta put them into tiers. Ready? I am ready. All right. First one, as iconic as it gets, the CR7... C celebration. <laughs> S. Yeah, gotta be. All right, Jamie Vardy obliterating the pride corner flag with the rainbow on it. <laughs> S. Sheffield United. S. Is there anything above <laughs> S? See, I, I can't explain myself. S. Uh, Balotelli shirtless flex in Euro 2012 semis versus Germany. B. Killian Mbappe arms cross celebration. C. Holland meditation celebration. B. South Africa's dance after Tishbalala's goal in the 2010 World Cup, aka the quintessential shit house celebration on FIFA. High A. Can't be as high A. Bafatimi Gomi's Predator celebration, where you know where he crawls on the ground and you know. B. Emmanuel Adebayor running to the opposite end of the Etihad to celebrate in front of the Arsenal fans. Of course, Arsenal being his ex team. That's an A tier celebration, I would say. Messi holding up his jersey to the Madrid fans after scoring the El Clasico winner. Yes. The Daniel Sturridge dance, which the weird like wave thing <laughs> that he does. D. Mario Bellatelli, why always me? Second Mario Bellatelli one on here. A. Peter Crouch robot. A. CR7 Calma. D. And the final one, Griezmann hotline bling. D. That was prime short hair Griezmann celebration. <laughs> and that rounds what, off the list. What what was the one that I wanted to explain? Uh was it the Jamie Vardy one? Oh yeah. Yeah, one? because like everyone thought that was like Jamie Vardy being like homophobic and he really just yeah. like wanted to fuck up the corner flag and didn't yeah. care what was on it. And like all like the homophobic like Lester fans on Twitter. We're like, yeah, like, we hate those flags. And Jamie Vardy was like, signed the flag and gave it to the fans. And he was like, no, it wasn't about that. I just want to fuck up the corner flag. <laughs> like, that was, 
Like, borderline at... Did I put that in S? Like, I think I might have to move it up to S. That was a fucking yeah, amazing you, celebration. you put that in S. Yeah, that's an awesome... Like, he just completely... Like, it didn't snap in two. It shattered into, like, 20,000 pieces. There's a photo of his, like... Of his cleat going through the shaft. And just, like, a billion yeah. pieces of a shaft. Like, amazing, amazing celebration. That was a good list. And fun. The comma, like... I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't really do it for me. Daniel Sturridge, like... I I I like Daniel Sturridge on FIFA, and that's the only reason I would put it higher. But like, it, it's a whatever celebration. <laughs> okay, Ethan, it is your turn. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, your topic, plain and simple, Premier League strikers. Three, two, one, go. Darwin Nunes. B. Hudson Edward. D. Patrick Bamford. D. Right now, D. Danny Ings. B. Alexander Mitrovic. A. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. B. Callum Wilson. A. Gabriel Jesus. A. <laughs> Dominic Calvert-Lewin. C. Ivan Tony. A. Harry Kane. S. Ollie Watkins. B. Shea Adams. C. Erling Holland. S. Richarlison. A. Kiefer Moore. C. And last but not least, be careful what you say, Cristiano Ronaldo. B. And that rounds out the list. Somewhat safe answer. (laughs) Explain your Cristiano Ronaldo pick. I mean, it's not an all-time list. I mean, it could be. It's pretty much, it's open to interpretation. I'm saying, like, right in around, like, now, this season. Uh, Then again, if it was this season, it'd probably be, like, D. I don't know. I had to give him, I had to give him a bit of respect. (laughs) Because it's Cristiano Ronaldo. If it was based solely on this season, it'd probably be a D. But it's it's early in the season, so it's like I'm taking into account who they are as a player. But obviously, how they've played this season is you know mm. major part of that. It was really I really struggled to not put Gabriel Jesus in S tier. Yeah, I think he was like top of A. Yeah. I think if he had scored against Nottingham Forest, maybe I I think if he wasn't a little bit snake bit right now, I think I would also put him in yeah. S. But I, I just don't think but he's I'm, quite Holland yeah. Kane tier right now. Yeah, I'm fine leaving just Holland and Kane in there for now. I, I would have honestly dropped Darwin Nunez down to like C. Like I, I, I he doesn't really do it for me. He's it, been good. Like he's been fine, but like He's I, he's been very hot and cold. Yeah, like he's he's missed 
a lot of really good chances, but he's also put a couple away. I mean, what, he has like, you know, four or five. It's not bad. Yeah, that's a B. And Calm Wilson an A. You know what? That 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 was that was possibly a bit too high. Mm-hmm. I think I think that was kind of just a gut thing. You know, it gave gave me two goals in the goal picks this week. You know, <laughs> score a goal to beat Tottenham. You know, he's riding really on my bit. good side right now. <laughs> yeah, he's riding high right now. Uh, realistically, he's probably he's probably a B. But you know, I'll give him benefit of the doubt right now. Right now, he's playing like you know. He's scored three goals in two games. He's playing for a resurgent Newcastle side in the top four. Right now, he's an A-tier striker. Fair enough. That rounds out our podcast for this week. Big match week 13 coming up. Uh, Two top six games this week when we haven't had one. Um, But with that, we will sign off. Enjoy the football. Peace. See ya.